Take your Bibles and turn with me. We have two portions of Scripture that we're going to look at. If you take your Bibles and first turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Then if you'd also take your Bibles and flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and Matthew chapter 6. I want to talk to you today about the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it tells us about the Word. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges, what does it judge? The thoughts and attitudes Of our hearts. What is hidden from God? Verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, I just want to tell you from the beginning, as I did my notes here. The word of God at times offends us. And I'm not trying to be offensive, but I want you to understand that the Word of God at times offends us. It penetrates to the deepest parts of our being, and the Word of God passes judgment on the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. And we don't like to be judged. We don't like to be confronted. Motives in attitudes that we don't even know or understand, the Word of God reveals. Let me say it to you one more time. Motives and attitudes that we don't even understand about ourselves are revealed when the Word of God is placed in our lives. No other book has the power to do what the Word of God can. The Word of God is supernatural in nature. Do you hear that? The Word of God, it is literally, this is literally supernatural in nature. It's not an ordinary book. There is no book that's ever been written that has the supernatural power that this book here has. It's supernatural. The very nature of it. You know, the Bible says that the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Speaking of Jesus, but the Word of God is supernatural beyond our understanding. The Word of God reveals those things that are hidden to us, and that are hidden to those around us. Now, we know that, according to Scripture, there is nothing that's hidden from God. But things are hidden from us at times, and there's things that we can't see. Have you ever seen one of those pictures that they have and you look at it long enough and they say, if you look at it long enough, you'll see the ship. And like, I'm looking at it and I do not see the ship. And they're like, it's right there. And I'm like, there's no ship there. It's just a big blur. If you look at it long enough, or they have those those psychological tests that they give you and you look at a picture And it's either this old, ugly woman. I'm sure most of you have seen that. 
It's either this old, ugly, worn out woman with a big wart on her nose. And you're like, oh my goodness, she kind of looks like the, whenever you were a child and saw pic- images of a witch. That's what she looks like. Or this beautiful, glamorous young woman. And sometimes when you get certain things in your mind, you cannot see the other thing. You know what I'm saying? And you'll be standing there and you'll be looking at it and you'll be saying, I don't see the ship. What's wrong with me? I can't see the ship. Now, if there are things that are hidden from us, and if we have to give an account to God, wouldn't it be nice to know what we're going to give an account to him for? Wouldn't it be good to be able to see those things? Imagine this. Imagine if your teacher, if you could turn in your test before it's graded. And they would simply say, uh, I'd go back and look at question number 7, number 13, number 27. Why don't you take another look at that? Well, we would say, well, that teacher's crazy. That's cheating. But if it's about learning, imagine a student is writing a research paper. And they write their research paper, and they get it done before time, and they turn it into the professor, and they say to the professor, I want an A paper. What can I do to get an A paper? And the person, you know, the, the professor highlights some areas and say, well, you know, now, Jeff, this is a B minus paper. If you want an A paper, I've highlighted some areas. You want to take another look at them. You want to expound on them more. Some of you would say, well, that's a pretty neat thing. That's a neat teacher because if I want to get an A, I have the possibility of doing it. They're not hiding those things from me. They're saying to me, your research needs to be a little stronger here. Uh, you might want to look over these three pages in your paper because, you know, you, you need to go over your grammar. Your grammar is lacking. And it helps us to, to improve. Now, here's the challenge for a lot of us. I said to you that the word offends us. For a lot of us, we don't want to be wrong. It's painful to our ego to be wrong. I hate being wrong. I'll just be honest with you. I hate being wrong. Because I work very hard to be right. Not in an arrogant way, but I want to do the right thing. I, I want to do my best. I want to be, be doing the best that I can. And to have those feelings of I'm not doing the right thing or that I did wrong or that I failed is difficult. It's difficult for our ego. It's embarrassing. And sometimes it's even difficult to admit to ourselves. Even when we are wrong and we see that we're wrong, it can be hard to admit, correct? And if you don't think so, I'm going to say this to you. If you have excuses in your vocabulary, well, yeah, I know I shouldn't have, but then you have a hard time admitting you're wrong. If you have all of the explanations as to why you did what you did, then my friend, it's hard for you to admit you're wrong. Yeah, I know I shouldn't have said that, but she said this to me and I just was tired of it. I know I shouldn't and you can fill in the blank, but they did this. But I thought, and you know, one of the things I think if we're going to mature is whenever we're wrong, simply allow ourselves to be wrong. If we're ever going to mature, if we're ever going to grow up, with our kids and stuff, when you're corrected, when you're confronted, if they'll just simply say, okay, okay, dad, then it's over. 
when my kids do something wrong and when I correct them or I confront them, if they're going to debate it with me all the time and argue, they are not getting the point. They're not getting it. And so we have to kind of, we go back and forth there a little bit. But what's really neat is when they say, yeah, you're right. Okay, I won't do that again. I'm sorry. Then when they say that, then we're completely done. It's over. Okay? Now, if you don't think that it's hard for us to be wrong, let's try this little exercise. Randy Alcorn, by that title, whenever I wrote my message, I had not looked at that book. I haven't read that book But I knew about the title and I actually ordered the book. And after I finished my message, I started to read it. But I wanted, I felt like this message needed to be something fresh from God. It couldn't be a message that's from Randy Alcorn to me, to you. It needed to be something that's fresh from the Lord. And here again, I think that as we read it, I think there's going to be some things that are going to confront us. This verse that are going to confront us. And for some of us, it's going to be a challenge for us to take. Jesus makes a very profound statement. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you want to know where your heart is, just look at where your treasure is. The heart follows the treasure, much like a trailer follows the vehicle that is towing it. If you've ever driven a truck with a trailer or you've towed a boat, or you've towed something. You know that the way that you, the, the towing vehicle goes, the trailer follows right behind it. And that's what our heart does. Our heart follows behind where our treasure is. According to scripture, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And some people aren't, don't, they say, no. My heart My treasure follows my heart. That's not what the word of God says. It says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's the thing that gets offensive. What gets offensive is when someone else wants to tell me where my heart is. That stinking preacher. I knew I should have stayed home. It was snowing. No one would have even said anything. I could have stayed home and I wouldn't have had to listen to this stuff. Because he doesn't know my heart. God knows my heart. You're absolutely right. And his word says that where my treasure is, that's where my heart is going to be. My treasure is going to be the vehicle that tows my heart. Okay? If everything is functioning as it should, when Bill gets into his truck at night and starts going down on the turnpike, when he makes a turn to the right, the trailer makes a turn to the right. If everything is functioning as it should, that trailer is going to just follow right behind in the path that the truck went in. Now, as I said, this is where the word of God starts to offend us. And you're like, well, why should it offend us? Because I know where my heart is supposed to be. I know where my, listen to me, I know where my heart is supposed to be. And I know where I say I want it to be. I love my wife and kids. Oh, they're just my heart. Oh, they're my heart. I love the Lord. Yes, I love the Lord. I care about the needy. Yes. I have all of these things where I say my heart is. Because like I've been in church long enough. 
I've read enough of the word. I have this understanding of where my heart is supposed to be. The challenge is, the challenge is this. We know where our heart is supposed to be, but at times the trail of evidence known as our treasure reveals that our heart is not there. Someone could just say amen. Let me just say it to you. I know where my heart is supposed to be. I have this understanding of the position my heart is supposed to be in. But at times, the evidence known as my treasure reveals that my heart is not where I say it is or where I think it is. There's some things on our walk with God that we can make them very subjective. Yes, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And I love to sing songs about it. And I like to think that, there again, I don't want you to tell me that my coffee was strong. I don't want you to tell me that my attitude is stinky. I don't want you to tell me that my transitions on the PowerPoint are slow. I don't want you to tell me to pay more closer attention. And I don't want you to tell me where my heart is. Who are you to tell me where my heart is? But when the evidence of my treasure reveals it, I can deny it and argue with you and debate it, but I need to follow the truth of God's word. And he says that where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Naturally, we want to argue, or I do, I want to argue that my heart's in the right place. We come up with statements like this, who are they to judge me? He doesn't understand. But it's not the person. It is the word of God that judges our hearts. We know that I'm to love God, but let's take this a little bit further. For instance, as a husband, I know that my heart needs to be devoted after God, first and foremost, to my bride. After God and before anything or anyone else, that is where my heart belongs. When I function in that order, other things begin to fall into place the way God intends it. And isn't it funny? Let's get on this too. Isn't it funny that the person that can make you the angriest is your spouse? The person that can make you the most frustrated? The person who can like set you off in an instant like, Well, they're pushing my buttons. I mean, isn't it funny that in the person who I'm supposed to love, like Christ loved the church, and yet I want to say I'm spiritual because I preach, and the real spirituality is on a daily basis, how do I talk to my wife? How do I treat my kids? My spirituality is not how well I can deliver a message, but how I live out my love for my family every day is really a a much bigger gauge of my spirituality and my maturity than how good of a message I preach. When I don't function in this manner, everything else begins to fall apart. My children are not to be more important. My parents are not to be more important. The church is not to be more important. My job is not to be more important. Even our ministry is not to be more important. Many spouses will say that their heart is where it's supposed to be. But then we look at their treasure. And we see what the evidence of their treasure reveals is that success on their job 
and all the trappings that go with it is where their treasure is. People invest 60 hours a week like nothing on a job, climbing the ladder, and they can't find 60 minutes a week to invest in their spouse. And then when their spouse says something about it, they get mad. We say, well, I don't really like the job I'm providing for my family. And, and yet, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, there's some people and their marriages are not what they want them to be. Their relationships with their children are not what they want them to be. And may I just, I just throw this out? And here again, I know you're gonna, some people are offended. Maybe that's not what you've treasured. Oh, Pastor, who are, who are you to say to me that I don't treasure my family? You don't know what I do and what I put up with and all of these things. Well, where's your treasure? What is it that you talk about all the time? What is it that you invest your energy? If some people will say, if I'm really honest, my heart is not in it, whatever it is. Maybe their family, their children, their spouse, the church. The places that where their heart is supposed to be. There again, we have these places where we say, my heart needs to be there. And don't you say to me that my heart's not there. But if we're honest, there's some places where we say, my heart is not in it. May I just suggest to you that this, perhaps your heart's not in it. And people say, you know, this idea of following your heart, don't follow your heart. Your heart is, is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Some people say, I'm just following my heart. Well, make sure you got the right heart. People choose a lot of different things to be their treasure. The new house, material things, their reputation, their career, their image, a life of ease, early retirement. There's a lot of things that people choose to be their treasure. And if you're taking notes, I want to just remind you of this. We need to be wise in our choice of treasure. We need to be wise in what we choose to treasure. Because the attitude of our mind and the nature of our lives will be controlled by what we treasure. Listen again. The attitude of our mind and the nature of our lives will be controlled by what we choose to treasure. We will be either carnal or spiritual, based upon what we treasure. What you treasure, what you desire, what you value, will determine your destiny. You'll either be carnal or spiritual. You'll either be earthly or heavenly. Ultimately, our eternal destiny will be impacted by what we make our treasure in this life. One commentator wrote this. He said, the heart follows the treasure as the needle follows the lodestone or the sunflower, the sun. Where the treasure is, there the value and esteem are. There the love and affection are. In that direction, the desires and the pursuits go. In that direction... The aims and the intents are leveled. And all is done with that in view. Where the treasure is, there our cares and fears are. We don't worry about things that aren't important to us. 
Where the treasure is, there our cares and fears are, lest we come short of it. There our hope and trust are. There our joy and delights will be, and there our thoughts will be. Our thoughts will be based upon what we treasure. He says there the inward thought will be first, will be. The first thought, the free thought, the fixed thought, the frequent, the familiar thought. And he goes on to say, the heart is God's due. And that he may have it, our treasure must be laid up with him. And then our souls will be lifted up with him. So our treasure, where our treasure is, our heart is going to follow it. What we choose as our treasure will determine our destiny. What you choose in your life to treasure. Some of you say, well, no, that's just what I'm interested in. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The Bible does not say, do not store up treasures. It just says, store up the right kind of treasures. I read a book in, just very quickly, If you, during this end of the Civil War, if you were from the North and you happened to be down in the South or you were down in the South and you had a lot of Confederate money and someone told you in a year they're going to, the South is going to surrender to the North, would you be getting all the Confederate money that you could? No. I'd be like trading it. I'd be buying it. I would have as little Confederate money as I could. Okay, I would just get enough for me to get by and I'd be exchanging that for goods, for properties, for farms, for land. I'd be trading that for northern money, for U.S. dollars. And the thing is, is it's not what the word is teaching us. Is that our treasure is to be things that will last, not things that are just temporal. Things there that are of true value. If you read the word this year and you find evidence that your heart is not where you think it is, instead of making excuses and explaining it away, will you believe the evidence and redirect your heart? How many of you care how GM stock is doing? Anybody give a rip? No? I can tell one thing about this audience. How many of you have any money invested in GM? You don't care. (laughs) Like, GM can go out of business. Like, do you really? I mean, hey, too bad. I'll drive a Honda. I don't care. Let them go out of business. I know that's not a good thing to say. All those poor, poor GM brothers and sisters who live in Detroit. I don't really care. Why? Because I don't have any investment there. I don't really care. I'm just being honest. You know, the news can say GM up 40, you know, GM stock up 40% in the past three months. I really don't get excited. If I see an article about it in the newspaper, I probably won't even read it. I probably won't even notice it. Why? Because my heart follows my treasure. My treasure is not in GM. I have no treasure in GM. If all of you took your resources and invested everything you had in GM stock 
and there was going to be a news article about GM stock this afternoon, how many of you think you might have it on your phone and be checking that out in the afternoon? Well, the stocks are going to split. You'd be like, yes, yes. How can I redirect? See, a lot of times people think that they have no control over their heart. They think some people just have, some people are just really spiritual. And they have a heart for this or they have a heart for that. Friend, you and I have a responsibility to direct where your heart goes. That's right. You and I have a responsibility. You get to direct your heart. That idea of following your heart, that's crazy. (laughs) You need to take authority and to direct your heart in the direction that it should go. Now, how do I do that? Here again, I don't mean to be, sound really unspiritual. How many of you care about the orphanage in India? Yeah, oh boy, I hope that works out good. Can I tell you how you can care about orphans in India? And so this year, instead of buying the new car, hold off for a year and make that payment to help build an orphanage in India, and your heart will change. You'll start having a love for those little kids in India. You'll be looking for the newsletter about those little kids. You'll be praying for those little kids. Why? Because you're driving a car with 200,000 miles and you'd like to have a new car, but you've chosen to help build the orphanage in India and you're going to wait another year until you get a new car and you're going to help them build a room for those kids to stay. And somehow, suddenly, you now have an interest in those things. Isn't that ironic? See, you get to direct... You get to determine where your treasure is. How do I redirect my heart? By being intentional about what you treasure. The scripture we read shows us that man's interests are determined by what he values. Talk to someone a few moments and you'll see what they value. Guys are talking about their job and project that they're working on. Why? Because it's where their heart is. Jesus gave advice. His advice is this. Don't choose to value things that won't last. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can ever take it away. Where thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And a lot of us say, Pastor, I want my heart to be on heavenly things. I want my heart to be in the right place with my family. I want my heart to be in the right place with people. Well, then treasure those things. Because here's the other part. Life goes by so quick, and you won't have the opportunities with them forever. You have now. We have today. We're not promised tomorrow. I want to encourage you to do this. If the Holy Spirit spoke to you and he said, hey, your attitude stinks, then you say, okay, Lord, I'll receive that. If he said to you, your coffee's a little too strong, okay, Lord, I'll receive that. If he said to you, you've been treasuring, you've been treasuring some things that are moth and rust can destroy. You've been treasuring some things that really don't bring you fulfillment, and I need you to redirect your heart. If he said that to you today, don't be angry with him. Know this, that one day you're going to give an account to him for what you treasure. 
and he's just examining your paper, and he's saying, okay, if you want the A, check out question number 3, 7, and 12. If you want to pass with flying colors, take another look at them. That's all he's saying. And we don't have to be offended or angry. We should, what we should say is, thank you, God, for speaking to my heart. Because I don't want... Imagine if someone said to you, hey, you know, this thing that you're investing in, in six months, they're going out of business. You're losing it all. Six months, they're going out of business. And you say, I got everything invested in it. I got my retirement. I got my kid's college fund invested in it. I got the inheritance my parents gave me. I have it all invested in this company. And if someone knew that in six months, they're going out of business and their stock's going to be worth nothing, and they knew it and didn't tell yet, like, duh. And that's what it's going to be for the things, some of the things that we treasure. They're not going to be of any value. And God gives us the ability to direct our heart. And he even says to us, these things here are what I want you to treasure. So if he's spoken to you, will you allow him to redirect your heart? And be thankful that he's willing to do that. Father God, as we just take a moment, I ask you that the Holy Spirit would show us where our treasure is. I pray that you would bind our hearts together as one and you would show us those things of where you want our heart to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name.